it play is a bit weird. A, seeing your teacher full stop, but B, your teacher in a sporting stadium. Welcome to the latest edition of the Beat Talks podcast. I'm your host, DJ Roger. Thank you all for tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome. If you've been here since the beginning, I appreciate you and all my day ones. This week, we are talking to Graham Easton. He lives in the UK, Scotland specifically, and you'll hear me say in the podcast that he is my first international guest, but that is a blatant lie, and I apologize for that. I realized afterwards that I have chatted with four corners from the Toronto Raptors, and he was technically my first international guest, so I apologize for lying throughout the broadcast, but Graham was my first guest outside of the continent of North America, so... I'll give him that title. So thank you very much, Graham. I appreciate it. Graham is an announcer, host. He's done the Olympics. He does rugby, netball. I was definitely fascinated with the netball conversation. It's a sport that I find very intriguing. And I hope you guys enjoyed. He gave out some good advice if you want to get into announcing things that can help you break into that industry or work on your craft. Because a lot of things we do in the sports entertainment world, you can't replicate. You actually have to do it to learn. And he gave some great advice on things to do to get into that. So without further ado, here's Graham Eason. Well, I appreciate you joining the podcast. You were my first international guest. I feel uh, I feel honored. Oh, Thank you. Right. Well, likewise, likewise. Nice. <laughs> um, and let's pronounce your first name correctly. Obviously, as a super white American guy, I would say Graham, but it's like Graham. Is that how you say it? No, no. The, the first three you said it was absolutely perfect. Okay. Graham. Just making sure. I will. I will continue to say it that way then. <laughs> Um, so first thing I want to know is with everything going on in the world right now with the pandemic and stuff, what is it like in uh, Scotland right now? Is it different than what you've heard about the United States, which I'm sure it is, but I'm just curious what life is like for you. Yeah, I, I suppose it's um, quite similar in the sense that there's lots of rules and regulations. And uh, certainly what I've noticed recently is that lots of industries are, are, are sort of campaigning, if you like, or saying, well, listen, more about us? You know, we need funding, we need support, we need to get back to work, we need to get the economy going. Uh, just, just recently in the UK, there's been a big campaign by uh, a group to get the, you know, the live events industry, uh, you know, recognised. And you will know as well as anybody else that there's a, a huge infrastructure behind that. You know, it's not just the artists on stage or yeah. the athletes, it's the lighting, it's the sound, it's the riggers, it's the... I mean, you know, it's a, it's a monumental industry. And so there was actually people, uh, I think it was London, actually going about, you know, the big, where you get the speakers and the big, the big um, black cases on wheels. Oh, yeah. Going through streets, you know, with those kind of things. It looked amazing, you know, uh, visually it was brilliant. So, you know, there's a lot of industries campaigning, you know, to say, what about us and get funding? But I can't imagine that's widely different from, from, from where you are and, and maybe some other parts of the world. But, I think, you know, people seem to think we're maybe coming out of it, but that's obviously quite dangerous because, you know, I think New Zealand have been quite um, quite strong and, you know, the, the slightest thing, if you like, they're not right, that's shut down. So, yeah. listen, everybody's, everybody's trying to work out what's the best way to play it, but uh, I think this country, the, the, the vibe I'm picking up is that the government are quite keen to get the economy moving and like schools going back is key so people can go back to work and all that. But my, my, our schools just went back uh, last week. Oh, okay. So that's a big cultural change and it'll be interesting to see how uh, long that lasts. And yeah. uh, But, you know, I, I don't think it'll be radically different from any, any other country, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be tough, especially with like international events or international touring, all of that stuff. Like you, yeah, I think it'd be difficult to invite people from other parts of the world to your part of the world, especially if you're doing better and maybe that part of the world isn't doing as great. Yeah. Like it's it's going to be tough. I'm I'm very interested to see how it all turns out, and uh, it sounds very similar to what's going on here. I mean, I haven't seen those big cases rolling down the street, but I have <laughs> definitely seen you know petitions online of trying to you know just get some funding or some grants or stuff like that. Uh, Cause yeah. like you said, it's, it's more than just the performing artists that is being affected. Yes. There's thousands of people behind the scenes that are out of work at this point. Um, yeah. So before all this went down, you were part of, you have a company called whoosh entertainment, you and your brother, right? Yes. You yes. guys do announcing hosting, you have DJs. How is it working with a family member? Uh, great. I mean, uh, for for me, it's kind of sort of part time. I mean, I, I've got a, another uh, semi sensible job, which is is, is an education. So uh, the kind of wish thing for me is is, is part time. But for Keith, my brother, he, he's full time, and he's been full time for quite a few years. So he, he does hosting of events. Um, we have a series of events over in the UK called uh, Rat Race, where you do like you know five k, a ten k, or your climbing over mad obstacles and these are all across the UK. These have obviously been cancelled, obviously, but he does a lot of that. But we've been doing uh, podcasting, you know, for about three years, kind of hosting our own ones, but also doing production for other companies and other clients. So Keith's very busy doing editing of podcasts and that's, as, as most people will recognise, podcasting is growing and obviously we're speaking uh, as an example of that uh, so he's very busy doing that but obviously the event side of wishes has been decimated like everybody across the world but the podcasting's been interesting as and that's been quite sort of stable and obviously a lot of people have now spent their life uh, and their hours on zoom and mm -hmm. you know we're recording this on Zoom. So it's been an unintended, I suppose, benefit of, of being in podcasting that's not been as hard to, uh, although obviously a lot of people are now dabbling in it, trying it themselves. Yep. And, um, uh, but you know, it's, it's been, as, as I say, an unintended benefit of, of being involved in podcasting. So that side's been okay, but as the event stuff has obviously been, been decimated. Um, I, saw, I saw on your website, do you guys have your own podcast studio? Like people can yes. come and record there if they want to? Yes, that's right. No, we've got that. That's, uh, that's in Edinburgh. Uh, for those that don't know the geography, that's capital of Scotland. Excellent. Uh, on the east coast of the UK. Um, so yeah, that's been good. But we we had we, we decided to invest in you know, the big screens that you'll get in like a, a, a shop. Uh, so people are recording on two different sofas and we've got the screens up uh, ready for, for people who want to come in. Um, we've tried to pitch it as a um, quite relaxed and, you know, I think I've seen a lot of studios across the world where some are very kind of obviously look like I'm going into a recording studio yeah. now, which yours is fine. Very, yours looks very comfortable, like I could pitch so, it be sitting in my living room. Yes, yes, exactly. So we've tried to, to keep it that way so that, but, you know, the screens are there and, you know, we've got the, the microphone heads, you know, we've got endless supplies of them to kind of sort them over and all that. So we, we feel we've done uh, what we're being asked to do to be compliant with COVID. I think the challenge will be people, I suppose, taking that element of risk to actually say, well, actually, yeah, I could do it on Zoom. Mm. But to get the, the dynamic of the conversation with somebody and the, the body language that, you know, uh, obviously being face-to-face -face is far better in that regard, but uh, we understand that it might be a risk for some people to sit well, I'm not quite sure. And, um, 
But those are the challenges we're all faced with. But we're certainly invested money in, in doing the you know the COVID stuff. And you said the studio you had that prior to the COVID stuff. You were yes. already involved in that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was, it was exciting. We we years ago we had uh, it was we had uh, rehearsal rooms for bands. Mm. It was a different premises in Edinburgh, but the the property we're in was taken over by a property developer. So I had to move out and, you know, get, as you will know, and other people in the industry will know, getting somewhere that's this, which is fully soundproofed and is not near residential area and all that stuff. So we kind of, we're kind of dabbling in the podcasting. And so we, we moved away from doing bands rehearsing to, to podcasting and uh, we, we've kind of stuck with that. It's a, it's a lovely little uh, office and it's very, very low roofs, mm. which is, you know, great for acoustics. Yep. Yeah. So if I wanted to do a podcast like what we're doing right now it is i've done interviews just over the phone where you can't see somebody i've done interviews on zoom like we're doing right now and then in person is always 100 i mean this is as good as it gets for being across the world from each other right like i can see your face i can see some of your body language but being in person one it sounds better so there's always that um so yeah i always recommend if you're able to do it in person i would do that for sure but with technology i can talk to you from the other side of the world and it's amazing yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you and your brother have whoosh together, but you also, I saw that you're an educator. So before we get into like the announcing and stuff like that, the education side, like, are you teaching? What is the educating part of your career? Well, I'm, I'm a, a qualified uh, business education teacher, which uh, in a secondary school. So anything from age 12 up to 18 in a Scottish secondary school. Um, so I've been doing teaching for, you know, 20 plus years. Uh, I've been head of department. Uh, so yeah, I'm, t- I'm teaching business. Yeah. So um, uh, up to up to the year before kids would potentially go to college or university. So that's their exit point, which is similar to, to, to most schools. And you've touched on something that I am, I, I'm actually pretty passionate about is first of all, the education system, I think being educated helps with a lot of problems that the world faces in general, but then the business side of things that I don't think kids are taught at a young age, especially, you know, business, how finances work, things of that nature. What kind of business stuff are you teaching them? Like how, like what the business world is like when they get out of school, things like that? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, at the junior level, uh, you know, we do a bit on money and banking, how the banking system works. Um, that, you know, that's the juniors do a bit of that. But the, the, what we call the, the, the top level is called higher, uh, which is the kids will be doing that when they're potentially 17 or 18. So uh, the main course we teach is called business management. So the sort of headline topics there are kind of, sort of finance, HR, marketing, also better kind of how businesses are structured. So, you know, similar to the US, you know, there'll be public sector, government owned or private sector or the third sector, charity. So look at the whole range of different types of business organizations. Um, and, you know, there's a huge overlap with kind of careers and, you know, kids, you know, creating CVs and just opening their eyes to what, what the growth sectors are, um, which is ever changing as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a subject which, I generally like because it's exciting, it's evolving. Um, I'm sure if I was a math teacher, they would say, oh, yes, so our math teaching changes all the time, but <laughs> I'm not sure it changes that much compared to business. Uh, two so plus it, two is always going to equal four <laughs> from what exactly. I understand. There's maybe a different way to teach it. Yes. But, uh, but you know, it's exciting in that sense. And there's, you know, there's lots of things you can relate to in, in the business world um, all the time. So it's exciting in that regard. 
Now, did you use all that knowledge when you and your brother started your own businesses together? Yeah, yeah, I suppose we did. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's strange because kind of, sort of doing it part time, and I, you know, I, I do well. I mean, I don't talk about it in the classroom. If it comes up, um, then it comes up. Of the kids have been at a, a big football match in Scotland, and I've I've I work at the national football stadium or, or soccer, I should say. We better decide who we're calling it football or soccer here, but well, we, we should call it. Well, we should call it football <laughs> as the appropriate name. We in America yeah. changed it, so football is what it's actually called. <laughs> so, um, I, I I host the uh, the national cup finals for football. So if if somebody's team gets there, you know you've had these things. Mister Easton, was that was that you? I'm sure that sounded like you. You know, see if that comes up, then fair enough. But. Um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't talk about it. You know, in, in a sense, I keep it sort of private. But you know, if people recognise your voice, then as you will know, they recognise your voice. Is that pretty cool, though, for some of the students occasionally? <laughs> well, I, I suppose if you think about it, I mean, I've seen these things on the internet now again. You know, uh, these sort of memes and whatever. Like, you know, what what's the kind of strangest thing you see? Oh, it's your hit. It's your teacher walking down the street with <laughs> on holidays. Oh. Well, that's my teacher. So yeah. I suppose you've got to think as a teenager, it probably is a bit weird. A, seeing your teacher full stop, but B, your teacher in a sporting stadium and their voice going, because like teachers don't do that. Yeah, they just think teachers. of you as their teacher, not I, yeah. as somebody cool that does this other thing well, that I really I, like. I, the, the cool thing is obviously very subjective. <laughs> what, what is cool? Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so yeah, so you... I assume you were educating first and then got into announcing afterwards. How did that come about? Yeah, uh, well, we, my brother and I started doing like, like most people, so I'm sure you would have been a similar start, uh, doing uh, what we call mobile discos. So you're doing like 18th and 21st and actually bizarrely, not my own school, but kind of the odd, odd school disco. So oh, always into music, love music, love listening to the radio, taping music, music off the radio and all that. Uh, and... Um, yeah, just just started doing it, and I had a friend who's had somebody who was selling uh, old uh, Citronic decks. Now that's going back a bit. If yes, you're we're aging ourselves all of a sudden. Uh, so yeah, we started with that when when vinyl was still around uh, and all that. So and then so we did the, the disco thing, and then I did a little bit of nightclub DJing. I don't profess to be a DJ like like yourself in, in the traditional sense of the word DJ. It was quite sort of cheesy. Uh, in a sort of chart orientated, mm. uh, which is fine. Yeah, I, I did that for a few years, and then my uncle was a, a basketball coach in Scotland. And obviously, basketball in Scotland is obviously completely different to what you guys have in the US. But they were wanting to do a wee bit of the kind of razzmatazz, a bit of the just basic team announcements, a bit of music at timeouts and half times. So we got involved in doing that, and then, as, as as happens with a lot of us in this industry, one thing leads to another, right place, right time, mm-hmm. and it evolved into doing like rugby and football and Olympics and all things like that. So, but that that's been again like teaching twenty twenty five years ago mm-hmm. since mobile discos till today. Yeah, and I would assume, what do you think the biggest difference is from when you were announcing and playing music when you first started to how entertainment is done at sporting events today? I, th- I think now, and we, we find it now, particularly working with sporting bodies, is that this, uh, you've got to obviously phrase it quite carefully, but I think people now just expect some kind of entertainment. And it's for, but before it was seen as like a nice, shiny added extra. And it is still for some sports who've got, you know, less of a budget. 
But I, you know, it's certainly much more mainstream now. Um, if you're starting with a fresh piece of paper, you'd almost start with entertainment and maybe work backwards. Whereas before, it was like, well, the sport's the most important thing, and then I will maybe have some music. So it's it's all not quite gone completely the other way, but you know, I think you know the sports that you're involved in, and you know, America has obviously always been held up as being, I suppose, a pioneer in, in mm-hmm. sport entertainment. Obviously, basketball being probably a prime example of that. Um, so it's changed quite a bit as it's become a lot more mainstream, the sports entertainment side of things, or sports presentation is a phrase that, you know, certainly bandied about now. Um, so I would say it's certainly much more mainstream and it's not as a luxury as it once was, perhaps, for some. I do feel like sometimes the what music is being played sometimes is behind the scenes talked about as being more important than the actual play of the game. And occasionally I have to remind people, it's like, we're here for the sport and I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever I'm asked to do, but I want to compliment what's going on yeah. as opposed to it being about me. Cause it's not, cause the fans will show up whether I'm there or not. Yeah. I, w- one of the challenges we've had and, and Scotland's quite particular in terms of football and the, the sensitivities regarding certain bits of music. Yeah. Uh, so it's almost forensically analyzed as in the, of the title of the song and maybe the artist or maybe the, uh, what the lyrics are suggesting. So for certain events, particularly football, we've got to be really careful. That's been another big change. Um, and people could find meaning in things. Uh, and, 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 that, and everything. That, so that, that's, that's a shame, but you know that's 2020 for you. Um, I like to tell everybody that every single song, unless it's a religious artist, is about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Regardless <laughs> what words they are saying, every song yeah. is about that. So if we're going to be sensitive, yeah. then I'm going to, my supply of music is going to be very limited. Now, obviously, there are some songs that um, even the clean version isn't clean enough. Not that they're saying curse words, but like, I just know like, okay, it's just using my best judgment. Um, and like, I tell people all the time, like if I play a song that you don't think is, in, that you think is inappropriate, that's not because... I'm trying to get away with something is because my opinion was a little bit different and I'm more than happy to talk about it, but I'm never playing something inappropriate on purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 The sports world, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting. That's for sure. Although like I do have the, I always tell people too, like when it gets to the professional side, professional sports is entertainment. Now the yes. game itself needs to be entertaining all the other, it's all because it's essentially some of it, especially a lot of stuff I do is a TV show. So it's being yeah, yes. in, the, in the Olympics, I argue is a sporting event or is a TV show disguised as a sporting event is how I always describe yeah. the Olympics. And speaking of the Olympics, yeah. you did my fit, one of my favorite sports in London. You were the in arena <laughs> announcer for the, uh, Oh, I'm going to blank on what was the arena's name again? In London, yes, it looked looked absolutely amazing on TV. How was that experience for you? It was, was, um, but I suppose that's again, I suppose an easier sport to kind of have the music. It's just synonymous with it, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you've you've got music literally happening every five or six seconds whenever a point is won, and you know the changeovers, and you know there's music all the time, and you know it's almost oh, and there's a game going on, is there? You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, we had a great time. And, you know, the, I mean, go back to you said it's like a TV show. That was very much a TV show, obviously, on that scale. Um, but, you know, the people that were working with me and the producers and the directors were people who worked at really high level uh, TV programs in the UK. Uh, so the guy who was uh, the main director, you know, sitting basically here, 
was the guy who was the director of, of the X Factor in the UK. I think you've got okay. the X Factor in the US as well. So that that was the level we're at in terms of production. You're going right. We're not we're not messing about here. <laughs> uh, but we had a great time. I mean, we we discussed lots of music uh, and we changed the music quite a bit because you know with that you're playing music every you know five seconds or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you need a a huge bank of tunes, and if you're there all day, you know you okay. You might play a, a few things once or twice, but I mean, you'd lots of songs were like, you know, the chorus coming right in for literally five or six seconds, if that. So it was great fun doing that because there was a lot of creativity and you really felt part of the team, um, generally so, uh, which is really good. But I mean, the atmosphere, I mean, um, fuck, I mean, there's so many stories to do with it, but uh, it was such a, it was, I mean, it was a privilege to be part of it. It really was um, definitely up there. But, you know, you, you did the 2016, did you not? Yeah, Rio, I did. Right? I was in Rio. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine that would have been anything other than maybe slightly better than London because obviously Rio's, you know, got, got the, the whole vibe going on. Yeah. I think the only thing that makes it uh, a little bit more special is because it's in Rio on Copacabana yeah. Beach where volleyball is such a huge sure. part of the lifestyle. I think is only like the biggest difference would be from London or any other Olympic Games for that matter. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's definitely a party. And I remember watching the gold medal match with the two American teams. It was very miserable for me to watch because I knew all the players and yeah. I was cheering for every point and then felt bad for the other team that lost a point. So watching the yeah. gold medal match was miserable for me. So I was very excited up until that point. I was very happy for all my friends that won medals. Yeah. But it was, yeah. you know, you just don't like seeing any of your friends lose even though you still got a medal it, it was tough um so yeah. at those games you were announcing in arena and do, yeah. triggering the music as well or somebody else was so, tri- so, somebody else was doing the music yeah. um i mean what, there was certainly a lot of upskilling required now uh, beach volleyball is, is not my specialist subject so don't even begin to ask me who won the medal <laughs> eight years ago I'm, you, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to, to the say united, the united states did that's all that matters <laughs> So, um, you know, it was a huge, you know, learning curve in that sense. I'd done, you know, a UK level, you know, beach volleyball before and I'd done basketball. Uh, so in terms of the the role of the announcer, you know, I was, I was you know, skilled in that sense. Yeah. But there was a huge learning curve in terms of, you know, learning, you know, the players and their sort of backstory. So the way they did it, I'm sure it's the same for, for you at Rio, you know, you, you had just sort of formal team introductions and a wee bit of stats in each player. Um, so you had to do quite a bit of research and you know, a, a huge production team who helped with a bit of that research, but you certainly had to spend a lot of time. So, you know, I've never been a, a TV commentator in sport, but, you know, you know, you appreciate a lot more the, the time and effort that is required to do that job justice. And it's not just a case of screaming at the scores and, you know, and, and all that kind of, there was, it was a lot, it was, the preparation was certainly commentary based but you weren't actually doing commentary you were doing kind of just basic stuff because you know you're and in as many words you're saying great shot in about yeah. 20 different ways you know uh so you're not doing a tactical analysis of it because it's obviously so quick but yeah. the preparation is certainly important because you know as, as it was the olympics um so there were a lot of late nights of the, you know the time zone so we started in uk time at uh, 12 midday, and some games went on till after midnight. Now, we mm-hmm. didn't, didn't do a full 12-hour shift, but your body clock had to get used to this, like, well, I'm actually going to be working at 11 o'clock at night for the main the main game for the main TV audience. So 
sometimes you had quite a long day of prep and then to deliver it. So that was a quite a change. Uh, yeah, and telling your body to like usually that time of night, you're like you're winding down, you're getting ready to go for bed. You're like, no, this is the main event of the day. I yes. need to have my energy up and going. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, listen, an absolute privilege, you know. And, I, and I've said to everybody when I've told this story before, you know, I, I went through a, a proper audition process, kind of like the X Factor, I suppose, to some degree, where you had to, they gave you something to record. Uh, I remember he got a gold, silver, bronze medal ceremony to, to record, and it had lots of lots of names with lots of consonants in it. So they obviously <laughs> wanted to hear your diction and your pace and your excitements. And so you know, as a, you know, I, I generally was was privileged to be chosen because you know there was a lot of people I'm sure who were uh, in the reckoning for it. And you know, being Scottish and conscious of my voice being perhaps deemed to be well, it's the London Olympics, but so, but so, like I say, I, I was absolutely delighted to, to get the call. Yeah, it was very exciting. So, was it just in Rio? We had two teams. So, at the beach, you know, there was, you know, two DJs, two announcers, and we rotated. It was similar in London, yeah, I assume. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely same. Yeah. So, when you're approaching prepping for an event like the Olympics or netball that I know you do or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the things that people don't see behind the scenes. They don't see how many hours go into the prep. What is your yeah. type of routine to get prepared for an event? I think I mean very often you're given some sort of bullet points or some sort of backstory to, to it, and you know you create your own. I think with like the netball, the certainly in the UK, you're, you're, which I find slightly bizarre, but it's almost like a library when the game's in motion. We have like, I mean, if you think, you know, basketball stings or beach volleyball stings are short, you know, netball's like a nanosecond. But, <laughs> uh, and even like simple things like, you know, uh, substitutions are not announced on. I'm thinking, anyway, that's my, interesting. That one side. But, but so there's not a lot of prep in terms of that. I mean, there's, there's pre-game stuff and sponsor things, which you're basically given a script. And I, I just add to it in terms of like, you know, the placings of the teams or top point scorers and just a wee bit, wee bit of colour to it. And the same would be for basketball, uh, which I've not done for a few years. But, you know, I think just simple little nuggets. I mean, nobody's there to listen to you going through loads of stats. It's not mm -hmm. the environment for that. It's much more positive and up and, you know, to some, some really obvious cheesy lines. But that is, that is the role you have sometimes. You well know that. Um, so... And when I do football and rugby, again, it's very, very, very scripted. Mm -hmm. And occasionally there's there's bits of colour you want to add to it or you go kind of off script if you're allowed to, uh, which I think personally suits me a bit better. I think it shows me in a good light. Um, and I think it shows you're a, kind of a real fan um, rather than just a kind of robot. But it, obviously for many events, there is there is a certain line and a, a tone which, which they're looking for. Um, but you know, preparation is key, and, and use my education background. That you know, I absolutely get it. It's not there's no way to, to skip corners. Correct, or they'll know really. People will know really quickly if you're skipping those corners. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Want to pause for a quick second and say thank you for listening to this podcast. It's very much appreciated. If you ever have any questions, feedback, or suggestions from someone you want to hear on the podcast, please feel free to hit me up at beattalks.com djrochet.com any of the beat talks or dj rochet social media pages i will always respond and i'm also on discord link in the description if you want to continue the conversation on discord about specific podcasts or guests i've had on here i will chat with you all day long as much as you want 
And as a friendly reminder, my Why Not Wednesday live streams every single Wednesday, 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific on Mixcloud and Twitch. And I just started a new live stream, Sunday Sunsets, also on Mixcloud and Twitch. No specific time. It's always whenever the sun sets on the West Coast. So stay tuned for that. Now, back to my conversation with Graham Easton. So I'm very fascinated by netball. I've seen it played on TV. And when I saw that you announce it, it is similar to basketball. Yeah. But if you have the ball, you can only hold it for three seconds. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so is the, uh, is the pace of the game similar to basketball? What's what's it like as announcing that? Yeah, well, like I say, you're, you're not certainly that you don't commentate like you would maybe do in game and in, in basketball. Um, you just the, you know the the game the game starts and just li- I mean literally two or three seconds things uh, for a goal and then the ball goes back to centre court and they're off again. So it's really just like like basketball in terms of the timeouts and the periods uh, changeovers and half time. There's a chat or interviews or a wee sort of half time challenge with the fans. There, there's there, there, there literally nothing. Uh, to do uh, literally, <laughs> but you know it's fast paced. I mean, I was pleasantly uh, not pleasantly wrong word. I was I was kind of taken aback at being patronising as this level and this speed. Mm. Netball for some is quite in the UK. It's like you know nice girls playing netball, nice little game of netball. But you know this is serious. It's quite physical at times. Um, and uh, but I, I've I've really enjoyed it, and you know the skill level is is fantastic. Uh, particularly the shooters. I mean, it's a, I feel watching a shooter in netball because they seem to get forever just to line up and the defenders sort of stretching in. I'm straight. Um, this is great for Zoom. I'm stretching yes. in here. Uh, so uh, <laughs> they're stretching in. It's like basketball. You've got foot battering you all the time and whatever. So, um, but yeah, it's I, I really enjoy it because at That's first cool. I thought we were quite slow, but it's not. Yeah, I, I I think I had that same feeling when I first I just saw photos of it when I first learned about it and then saw it in action and it was it was definitely much more fast paced than I was anticipating it to be. Yeah. Especially when like you can't dribble and you can only hold it for a few seconds. I was like, oh, they're yeah. you know, but it was I was fascinated by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you also announced rugby. I have I've actually DJed a couple rugby matches here in the U.S. I did a sevens rugby. Oh, sevens is brilliant. I love it sevens. is first of all. I I tell the story to people all the time. I it's so much faster than 11s. Obviously, there's not as many people on the pitch, but I saw two guys come around the edge and slam into each other at full speed. I was up in the media box and I heard their faces slam into each other. They both immediately went full limp. I I would have bet all of the money I had in the world and all the money you had that both of those people were dead because yeah. the noise <laughs> that it made when they slammed into each other um but it was, that's such a fascinating sport and how fast it is um, yeah so sevens for, yeah sevens for me is very very similar to uh, beach volleyball you know it's the entertainment and you know the seven series that goes around the world uh is, is brilliant so I've, I've actually done the announcing and the djing for that a couple of times so that you you get repetitive strain injury you know for yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but that's probably because you know you've got a great great chance to be quite creative and think, oh, I'm gonna stick that one in there. And you're obviously trying at times to try and find tunes that are generally fit the most. Ranson, I'll just the next one in the sequence. That's the next one for the next try. It becomes a bit of a 
repetition, but mm-hmm. it's good to be a bit creative at, at times. And obviously, you know, for a lot of sports that you do, you, you, your skill is reading the crowds and just, right, I think we'll just go a wee bit higher on that one and bring out a big tune. And you get folk dancing because they've had a few too many uh, iron brews, as we would call them, Coca-Colas in America. Nice. Um, and so, you know, it's that 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 that's exciting and, you know, you're, you're very much part of it. Like I said earlier, you're, if you, I'd like to think if you come across as a fan, then, then folk will uh, appreciate it. Uh, not that you're the star of the show, but you, you're, you're kind of very much with mm-hmm. the audience. Yeah, you're part of the entertainment. Like, they're, you're part of the whole package that comes with it. And you said something very, uh, the, uh, I, I should have wrote it down as you said it, uh, but reading the crowd, sorry, reading yes, the crowd yes. yeah. as, as a DJ, I feel like that's one of the main jobs, um, one of the most important jobs and a, a very difficult job that you can't learn unless you do it. So yes. as an announcer, you are also reading the crowd. What are, what are maybe tips or tricks or things that you learned how to read the crowd to somebody listening that wants to do your job how how do you go about reading the crowd i, th- I think it's knowing um when you go into sort of overdrive and when you just be quite um understated and respecting that so i'll go back to my example of scottish football and the scottish football fans probably don't need much encouragement to, to make a noise but there was a time um, at Scot- Scotland Football International, you've got 50,000, 60,000 people in, in what's called Hamden Park, which is in Glasgow. And uh, you sometimes thought, well, I'll do a sort of almost like rally cry just before they kick off. Because Hamden's um, and, and Glasgow's had this thing, it's called the Hamden Roar. It's been, when it, it came from in the old stadium when there's like 120,000 mm. people there. It was just a natural roar. So it's had this thing, the Hamden Roar. So, I was thinking for years, and I said, well, I'd do this thing, let's hear the Hamden roar as a kind of battle cry before the start. So I did it a few times, and that's okay when Scotland are playing, because the whole nation's coming together. But, you know, you, you, how do you do it when it's like a, a National Cup final, you've got Team A versus Team B? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you think, like, they, 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 it's their big moment. It's literally their moment. So I thought, well, I'm not going to do an kind of equivalent for that, because they're all singing their own things or shouting obscenities at each other anyway. So you don't need me to kind of, they're doing it themselves and it's saying, just respect the fact this is the cup final. If I come in, because the tannery is like ridiculously loud. So if I come in, they go, oh, it's like guy shut up. And like, you know, so for Scotland, yeah, kind of go with it. But for other games, no, just, just let the crowd take over. I think it's, as you said a minute ago, it's, um, it's quite difficult to know that until you're actually doing the job, but mm-hmm. I'd like to think I kind of get it more right and I get it wrong. And I, yeah. that's quite difficult to judge unless somebody tells you, but I think sometimes I sometimes say less is more and you know, you don't have to be the starter. So you don't have to be given it, you know, all this all the time. Um, and I think that would be a good lesson. It's just, again, we've said it again a couple of times, reading the crowd and just trying to get a sense as best you can, how, how, how high to go, but also when to know when to shut up. Basically. Yeah, yeah let sometimes let just the crowd yeah, enjoy it on their own. Let the crowd. We use the phrase "let the crowd breathe" mm-hmm. and uh, let them take over. And you know, um, but as I say, every sport's different. Um, there's certainly not one formula, and even even different teams within each sports um, will have their own kind of culture and the things they do their way. They've done it for the last fifty years. So if you came in and did. 
you know, something else. Um, so yeah, and, when, the, and the crowd can turn on you too if I, you, they feel like you're yeah. doing too much. Yeah, the, the, the thing that we've had a, it's becoming a bit of a debate here is like in we're talking about you know music stings for for volleyball and uh, basketball and whatnot, but for football it's been relatively new where you have a bit of music after a goal is scored. Now, for football it's like mm, the traditionalists we go mm, and we debated for the Scotland national team whether to take out the music. Or whether to you know just the, the natural hammed and roar, just you know. Um, so for like some sports, you think, oh, we've got, we've got to have music because that's what you do in twenty twenty. But you know, um, it's a fine, it's a fine entertainment line. I was uh, my most recent podcast. I was talking with Kevin Barnett, who is a broadcaster and does some announcing and stuff. And we were talking about that too. Of even on TV, sometimes you just need to shut up and let the crowd noise come through the broadcast. And I think sometimes the people that are making the entertainment decisions have never been in the spot of knowing that the crowd needs to do it on their own or they need a break. Or sometimes they think, oh, if it's silent as far as like talking on the mic or nor music, like, oh, everybody's bored, which is not necessarily the case. Yes, and like yes. you said, too, every sport is different. What I do in basketball is different than what I do for volleyball. And um, what I would do at volleyball is not what I would do at a soccer football event either. Like it's the crowds are different. Time of day is different. Is it exciting? All those kind of things go into it. Um, so there's definitely yeah. no one formula. So I'm sure that's no. going to be a debate for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously, you know, we've been watching sports in all its guises without any crowds, but then some sports have still been wanting, you know, the music or the announcer. Uh, so that you know it's as normal. So the TV audience, I suppose, gets the the atmosphere to some degree. But you know, there's a there's there's lots of views on that. We we are actually there's a Scotland football game in, in next month as we talk in September, uh, and we are going to be employed. We weren't quite sure how they would play it, but yeah, we are. Yeah, they would do it. Yeah. Uh, but I think for protocols like an, even like simple things like announcing the national anthems, announcing the teams on the pitch, substitutions. Um, they still want that sort of protocol from the uh, governing body's perspective. Will they, are they doing it with fans in the stadium or no fans? In the no, stadium? not, not, not yeah. yet. Um, certainly not for football in, yeah. in, in, in the UK. Um, yeah. I still yeah. think having a PA announcer announcing those things at the team somewhat, it's that fine line of, I want the team to still feel like it's somewhat normal because they know that there's no crowd there, but yeah, substitutions, things of that nature, so that the other team knows or those kind of things. Yeah, I think that is, as yeah. opposed to it being sometimes silence is louder than music. So if there's no yeah, PA, yeah. no music ever, that could be even more deafening than to have the stuff. So yeah, that'll yeah. be interesting. Um, yeah. We just did an event, the AVP just did uh, three weeks of events with no crowd. Um, and it was different than... I didn't know necessarily what to expect. I knew the energy level wouldn't be there, but it wasn't as empty as I thought it was going to be. Now, we weren't in a giant stadium. They built it so it felt a lot more closer together where you'll be in a soccer stadium with an empty that might feel much emptier than what it felt like for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, so how did you, if somebody wants to get into announcing and even the DJ side of stuff, some of the music stuff that you do as well, how would you recommend somebody to go about doing that? Because I'm sure how you got into it is different than it could even be today. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sure a lot of people, certainly UK, have, have followed a, a similar path to myself. They've done a bit of DJing, uh, and they've 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 been proactive. Uh, they've looked for opportunities, and you know, there's always going to be a bit of right place, right time. And I think if it widened, to talk about media in its very widest sense, and I mean like journalism as well. It's about you know probably a wee, a wee bit of volunteering or just asking questions, and you might get more no's than yeses, but. If you're that passionate about it, and uh, then you've got to knock on doors. But the other thing, you know, the beauty with, with technology these days is you can very easily create your own content. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a million and one different podcasts in every genre under the sun these days. So there's, dare I say, there's probably no excuse not to try um, creating some content. You don't need, you know, the, the world's greatest uh, IT behind you. You can obviously switch on your iPhone and away you go. Uh, so if you're that passionate about it to try things, you know, send it to people, get a bit of feedback. But, you know, I think the, the, the beauty of likes of podcasting is very organic and people can try things and, uh, you know, you don't need a lot of expensive kit to do it. You can upload stuff onto Facebook, for example, fairly simply. It's not, or, and obviously YouTube. So you can, you can have a little uh, portfolio, I suppose, relatively easily. Whereas back 25 years ago, you had to send it off to somebody to do some fancy stuff because you couldn't really do it yourself. So in my view, it's arguably easier to create your own content just to showcase and just experiment with things and just suppose, find your own style, you know, um, and whether that's a particular sport or you're trying different sports. I mean, there's lots of people doing sort of wee, very creative, you know, as I say, uh, fan-based things where they go to a football game and, you know, they're interviewing fans. It's quite funny. It's quite comical. There might be the odd mistake, but that, that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest just try what you can, create your own content, you know, and you know, and share it. And, you know, as, as we all know, things can quickly go viral very quickly, hopefully in a good way. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> Do you ever have anybody reach out to you on social media or on your website saying, hey, I want to get into the business that you get into. Can I pick your brain? Can I come to an event and sit behind you and watch you the whole time? Do you ever have that yeah. stuff? Yeah, a, f- a few times. Uh, not that often. Obviously, we're at a different scale of, of country. Uh, compared to Scotland's only got a population of, of 5 million. So mm-hmm. there's not as many opportunities, I suppose, to some degree in terms of different sports. Um, but I've had a few people over the years uh, getting in touch. Um, the old sort of blind CV sent in to us. Uh, and, you know, happy to acknowledge, obviously, the courtesy of a reply. But, you know, there, there's not as many opportunities. And you know, like I said earlier on about the kind of funding, you know, I'm sure a lot of sports would love to do sports presentation in yeah. lots of different ways, but it come back, come back to the funding and, you know, uh, you know, maybe seen as a, a, too much of a shiny extra to do. So, but, you know, if, if, if you were wanting to get inset and sort of volunteering and doing your own bit of content, then, you That's know, That's how you get experience for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, be on the podcast. I, I enjoy, I started this podcast because I wanted to learn and know other people's stories, especially people that do exactly what I do. And you have been in sports and I'm around announcers and stuff all the time. So I'm fascinated by that job as well too. I hate hearing my voice. So the fact that I'm talking into a microphone right now is surprising to my family, much less doing it in front of thousands of people. And because you're going to make mistakes always. And that's the one thing that everybody hears, but you can talk for 10 hours a day and make one mistake, but you have to learn just to keep going with that. I guess before we finish, that is another thing. Like if you make a mistake, how do you handle that? Cause you're going to, we're all going to, it's just, we do it yeah. more 
publicly. One thing you asked me earlier on, I was just about to say it before you prompted me there about tips and whatever. I mean, as I said at the beginning, you know, a lot of Scottish people will speak quite fast mm. and I've got to learn to speak a lot slower than to me seems kind of normal. So what I very often do is on any sort of script things, I will write the word slow quite a lot of times around the sheet, around the outside, um, just as a visual visual prompt for that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's important for me to sort of recognise that I don't want to totally change how I speak. And I'm yep. overthinking it just now, thinking I am better speak slowly because <laughs> you I'm were slowing it for me. And slowly. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but the, the other thing in terms of that would be, you know, your kind of addiction and, you know, maybe in the top tips, I'm sure you, you'll do it as well for um, different nationalities is, you know, learning how to say somebody's name properly and, you know, mm -hmm. finding out, even if it's from the person direct, how do you pronounce your name like you did with me at the beginning uh, or writing things phonetically, you know, just making sure you do that right. Um, I was going to say just one thing I was, oh, yeah. I was going to ask you the question, uh, uh, like, for, like for basketball or some sports in terms of, sort of jingles, I mean, we talked about music being played after a goal or a basket or whatever, but if you got a set of jingles, I've got my wee jingles, well, a few of my jingles kind of set up here just for a laugh. Please do, please. Uh, and um, they're maybe not going to break any new grounds, but there's one that's become sort of synonymous with us, particularly for certain people in the basketball community in, the, in, in Scotland. So if I get it set up right, uh, let's just press all the right buttons here. Uh, hopefully you can hear this. Fantastic. Yes. Did you make that out? Yes, I did. Fantastic. Yeah. No, this. The, 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 I'd love to tell the story of this if that's okay. Please do. We. Okay. I mean, we have plenty of time. Plenty. Of, <laughs> yeah. So you know, we started doing basketball. You know, you knew about various sort of standards, sort of jingles, and you always want to put your own take on it. Think like, is there any sort of wee word or phrase which is basically saying "well done." That's a great basket, young man. But you want to have something that's. Uh, so we had this. Um, from our DJing days, we'd, we'd bought these CDs and you had like TV theme tunes and all these mm -hmm. kind of things. You're looking for a wee sort of nugget, just a couple of seconds or a word. And there was this advert in the UK from back in the 1970s for beef burgers. And it was two boys having a conversation about beef burgers. And we were spending this time just listening to these adverts just for one little word. So these two boys having a conversation about beef burgers and one of them said, fantastic. And I said to Keith, can, can we try and edit that down? You know, this is like with some really basic kind of kit at the time. So we managed to narrow it down to just as perfectly as we could, just the word fantastic. So it's become like synonymous uh, when we start doing basketball, just when somebody scored a three-pointer or whatever, uh, you'd get the... Fantastic. Uh, it's very muffled, but it's still quite clear. We just quite like it. It's quite old school. Uh, Does anybody recognize where it came from? Has no, anybody ever known? Them. No, okay. no, unless, unless you're a, 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 a big fan of 70s TV ads in the UK. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, who knows? There could be, I'm sure there's a podcast for that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But there's some sort of standard ones. I mean, always like, um, although it's quite obvious, but it, it does cut through. And when he, people hear it for the same time, you, you hear folk going, woo, like Homer Simpson and all that. Mm -hmm. So there's some standard ones uh, like that. There was, um, who else have we got here? We've got, um, what's his name for the Simpsons? Excellent! Yes. That's for Simpsons and all that. So anyway, I could play these all day, but I, love I thought it. I'd share the fantastic... The fantastic one is, it's my favorite thing right now. It's, um... 
and sometimes <laughs> sometimes like doing those things i do them for me just out of for my own enjoyment just because you're doing it for so many hours a day is like i need to do something for me and if other people like it great and sometimes yeah. like something like that will catch on because you put in the work behind the scenes people have no idea how long it took you and that you're listening to 70s commercials it's hilarious yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll send it to you. Fantastic. <laughs> um, there was one more thing that I, I forgot to ask yeah, sure. about for, but you have a playlist podcast where you talk yes. to people in the sporting world, athletes, and you're asking them like some of their favorite songs. Do any of their favorite songs yeah. surprise you? Oh, definitely. No, it's, it, it was one of these things that came uh, from working at, you know, the big, big sporting events because you saw the players – to come onto the pitch at football or pre-game and they had their big headphones like we were wearing just now. And they're going, all right, okay. And I think, well, they're obviously listening to something. Um, and obviously some of them now got sponsors with, with companies, whatever. So I think, all right. And, you know, Woosh is basically music and sport. So I thought, oh, something in this. So took us a leap of faith and contacted a, a rugby player I knew quite well who'd, who'd retired, but played at a very high level just to sort of dabble in it so basically the premise is it's called playlist so this the sporting uh, athlete or I've done broadcasters in sports they choose five songs not not necessarily their five favorites but ones that well i challenge them that they associate with sporting moments in their mm-hmm. life or ones that are on their gym playlist or the ones they have on free game um and they kind of talk around why that's important to them but I also challenged them uh, to choose a specialist musical topic, one that they know inside out. So I do five questions. I've had, you know, I've had like TV themes of like um, Roger Stewart, the Beatles. I've had Ed Sheeran. I've had all sorts of different topics, leaderboards, because uh, as we know, sports people are all competitive. Yep, so I've got a leaderboard. Of so I, it's quite a simple form, but I've I've done. I'm pushing on for seventy now. Um, and, you know, if I had a, a massive area of sports, not just sort of big sports in the UK like rugby and football, but, you know, I've obviously had netball and basketball through my connections. But um, it, it's good fun to do. And I've now, I'm now doing it on Facebook Live, so people can ask questions. Cool. So that adds an extra dynamic to it. Um, we just chat around the music. and So that, that, that's great fun doing that. Um, really enjoy doing that. Is it very interesting um, hearing some of the songs that players associate with sports that you may not have ever associated with sport? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, uh, I, sh- I should have come prepared with some great answers, but you know, it is amazing. I mean, there's some, you know, some kind of obvious uh, things that people always, you know, in a, in a Scottish context. Um, but um, like a Vici levels is featured a couple of times, which is mm-hmm. supposed to be kind of obvious in a sporting context. You know, it's been used quite a lot of times. Um, but I know it's, there, there's what one um, 800 meter runner in the UK, Guy Lermont, who, who said that he always had to have the same tunes like pre-race. He would have his Spotify set up for the same. It would build in a certain order. And he had almost like superstition for him. Oh, yeah. So you get these stories of that were quite fascinating. Um, but the funniest thing is probably the quiz because you know, a lot of them are kind of desperate to do well. Uh, I mean, yeah, because they're what competitive the and they want to win. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, it's, good, it's good fun. It's good fun. So if people want to hear that podcast, is it on? Is it just on Facebook Live? Can they get it on like Spotify or Apple Music? Yeah. 
Well, unfortunately, because of the wonderful licenses that have at the moment, it can't be on Spotify and, and Apple yep. Music and all that. So it's on Mixcloud, which is a fantastic oh, platform. Mixcloud, yep. So it's, all, it's called Graham Easton's Playlist. Okay. Um, although, although the uh, you know the, the people on it are, are, are UK-based or are mainly Scottish, people may not know them. But hopefully, if people did dabble in it, they'll get a wee insight into what, what people's motivations are. But the Facebook Live is just Graham Easton's Playlist on Facebook. Cool. Um, and that's fun. Well, I will put the link to the podcast in the description of this podcast so people can see that. And if they want to follow you or know more about your career, where can they follow you online, on Instagram? Where can they uh, check you out? Yeah, uh, on Twitter, it's at Graham Easton. Uh, if you're on Instagram, it's at Graham underscore Easton. Don't, don't forget the underscore. You could go to some really dangerous place. Uh, and a uh, company is called Whoosh, and that's W-O-O-S-H. Some people put a random H at the beginning. Oh, interesting. Oh, they spell it W-H-O. Yeah, oh, that's dangerous. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's W-O-O-S-H dot TV, correct? That's All right. And I'll make sure that's in the in the bio as well, too. Um, well, thank you so much. You were my first international guest. I feel very privileged about that. Um, and uh, I'm glad that we got to talk because, like I said, you did the London Olympics at one of my favorite sports of volleyball. So I'm glad I got to hear some stories about that, even yeah. though you didn't couldn't remember who was in the gold medal match, which I completely relate to because I can DJ a match. And then as soon as that match is over, somebody asked me who won. I'm like, I have no idea. My brain is already on to the next event. So sorry. So I can relate with that. So thank you very much for taking the time. I appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully things get back to quote unquote normal and we can start working events again. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been great chat to you as well. It's, it's great fun just to talk to someone who's in the same industry. Yeah, and, it's, uh, and that's fun. why that's why I started this podcast. I you know want to talk yeah. with other people, and it keeps it keeps me motivated and makes me be more creative. So I I appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure. All right, we'll keep in touch. Good stuff. Thanks for right. that. See you later. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Graham Easton. Give him a follow. All the links to follow Graham or know what he's up to, everything will be in the description of this podcast. I appreciate it. Give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. You know how it is. You know how social media works. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time.